0: To the Bible Feed podcast, a place for conversations
1: about the Bible and faith in the modern world where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better.
0: Let's get started. Welcome everybody to the Bible Feed podcast. I'm Lawrence Davenport. I'm here with Dan Weatherall to talk about uh, the final session, looking at Matthew, so discovering Jesus in Matthew. Welcome once again, Dan.
1: Hi, Lawrence. It's, uh, yeah, it's bit, it's, bit yeah, it's been isn't emotional, hasn't it? <laughs> Here and then on the last
0: session. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been lots of weeping gnashing of teeth so we've <laughs> we've done a lot we've been through a lot and some of the the, the high points as it might be and the uh, the summary of what we've been looking at we started didn't we looking at that genealogy we saw that jesus was uh, expected to be the king of the jews and we saw that link didn't we with david and abraham and the and the dream of uh, joseph early on uh, we saw that reference to the kingdom of heaven as well in that passage linked to his temptations. And what was the kingdom of heaven all about? And we we noticed that that wasn't going off to heaven. It was more about heaven heaven's rule on earth. So that link um, to the heavenlies that we saw, mm-hmm. didn't we, in in the uh, in the letters as well. So things related to heaven, heaven's rule on earth, which is which is really interesting, and a, and um, maybe for some people a new way of looking at those passages. We've also seen that Jesus as a sign. That God is with his people as well So we looked at that a little bit um, last session When we were looking at uh, some of the titles That we see in Matthew of Jesus So Son of Man, Son of God, uh, the Christ And also the fact that the Gospel message Has been opened from Jew, uh, opened to Jew and Gentile And we even see that in the genealogy, don't we? we so we see Rahab and we see mm. Ruth uh, Gentiles who are linked with the, the, the process um, of, of Jesus Is um, coming to be we see the way he dealt with those temptations as well which is really interesting the way that he he turns away from his own thoughts and his own temptations and we saw that that the devil as referred to in that in that passage was really um, a way of describing his own thoughts and and the temptations that he had and he turned away from those things and and kept his mind on on the things of god and the way that he knew that god wanted uh, things to be outworked which is really interesting again um, because that gives us a bit of a an understanding of what the devil is and then we see the relationship between god and man and that kind of hierarchy Um, of god giving um, jesus the authority to do things and again this links back to last week's episode where we see son of man and son of god and and that relationship so we have covered a lot of stuff over the last few uh, sessions Mm. Um, and you hinted at the end of the last session that we were going to start to look towards the end of Jesus' life and a bit about his death and a bit about his resurrection but you give us a bit more detail on that will you dan
1: yeah, so that's obviously where everything's heading, isn't it? And probably the most um, famous thing about Jesus is that he was crucified, and um, that's what we're gonna just think about extremely briefly. It's in one short episode, so um, we're just gonna pick out one thing and uh, and then think about the fact he was raised from the dead as well. That's that's the claim in Matthew in, in the Gospels. Um, that's what makes this um, makes that's what made Christianity start and kick kick itself off. Mm. The resurrection wasn't there then we wouldn't be talking about it so so yeah just think a little bit about that
0: okay great so we did start looking at some of the passages towards the end of matthew and and we had a look at the a passage from the trial last um session but where are we going to start today where, where, where are we going to base ourselves
1: yeah so what happens after the trial then is he's condemned he goes before Pilate as well and and, and Pilate condemns him even though Pilate doesn't want to condemn him and uh, and all these things that that happen Jesus is therefore condemned to death and he's publicly crucified um, but during that he um, remember the claim was that he, he's king of the jews that's the matthew's claim that he actually is king of the jews but all throughout his crucifixion there's this sort of mocking irony going on you know he has the crown of thorns on his head doesn't he he has the sign up saying he's you know he is the king of the jews um they they sort of mockingly bow down to him and you know all these sort of terrible things but it's sort of th- this is all driving the point that he is the one claimed to be the king of israel and yet he's going through this now so the question is is he you know we, we thought about that last time is he the son of god is he the christ is he the anointed is he the messiah um, and this is the challenge to that isn't it his death does that mean it's failed does that mean he isn't those things so uh, that's what happens sort of next and then we get to matthew 27 um, and verse 45 there's just a few verses here that talk about something that jesus says from the cross and i think that we can use that as a river springboard so matthew 27 verse 45 to 50 do you want
0: me, do you want me to read those okay so uh, matthew 27 45 Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. One of them at once ran and took a sponge filled with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit.
1: Mm. Yeah, there we go. So that's that's actually the moment of his his death so not long before that matthew records him saying these words um my god my god why have you forsaken me so the other gospels as i'm sure you'll know uh, lawrence they 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 describe jesus as having saying different things from the cross don't they well, yeah. well mark has the same one here as matthew but then there's other things other sayings from the cross there's no reason i I know of the, that uh, why Jesus couldn't have said them all um, and they're all they're each the Gospels are presenting a different emphasis are on as, as we've seen so, so let's try and think about what Matthew might be doing in presenting this saying yeah
0: and the, um, these were I mean this passage it's really emotional isn't it? it's really poignant um, yeah and kind of brings I think a very um, the personal feelings of Jesus at this very point this real pivotal moment of his death yeah um and he he's, yeah. he has this phrase doesn't he my god my god why have you forsaken me um and that's a, a real kind of gut-wrenching statement isn't it from from jesus sure and uh, and i understand that's a, it's a pretty much a lifted quote from from psalm 22 isn't it like the beginning of, of psalm yeah. 22 why, why, why is that significant?
1: Well, well we're going to go look at that in a moment. Just before we do, this phrase, or the fact that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, has, has could have sort of given rise to so many different interpretations and different ideas. And it's probably, I think, um, a spin-off of how you understand Jesus mm-hmm. and what you think he is um, that then drives how you sort of interpret what's happening on the cross and therefore... Part of that is how you understand this phrase. So it's it's almost like a little case study here for for thinking about our understanding of Jesus and what that therefore impacts on how you then understand what happens, you know, on, through his death. So there's things like God was so appalled by the sin and the world and. The sin of the world was put on Christ, so um, so he forsook Christ on the cross. So, you know he, that that's one view, that's one interpretation. Or God's wrath came on Jesus, and he felt that wrath when the sin he was bearing the the sin. You know he's punished, he's effectively being punished um, mm-hmm. for the sin of the world, and so he's crying out, "Why have you forsaken me?" Um, Slightly different sort of approach is that, well, maybe there's God's spirit has left Jesus and he felt that. And therefore he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's left alone. I mean, all these things, they're not in the text, are they? that's They're, they're kind of driven by the assumptions of who you think Jesus might be. If you think he, you know, is, is uh, God himself or whatever you, you you think that sort of drives how you how you sort of interpret this this passage there's a really uh, it's a famous stuart town and um how deep the father's love for us which uh, I'll, I'll say right now i i think it's really really lovely and you know it's a really moving him i'll happily uh, sing it sing along with it because of because of how i understand it but there's this phrase isn't there in, in one of the verses that says the father turned his face away which kind of understands that yeah he pretty much was forsaken you know, God, the Father, turned his face away from the Son um, so that he could suffer that sort of wrath and that, you know, suffer that forsaking moment. And it's how you, you if you're sort of seeing that Jesus uh, is God coming to sort of pay the debt of the sins, then this kind of has to happen. He has to be turned away um, from God has to turn himself away from Jesus because that's kind of what you're expecting. Um, But, I, 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 well, we're going to explore it because you've said you've already raised Psalm 22, um, which I think we we should explore. Because the question is, well, did God forsake Jesus? Did the Father turn his face away? Um, And I, I think in one sense, I think the answer is going to be that Jesus definitely felt like that. You've already said that, haven't you? About he's human, he's his this raw emotion. He's he's feeling the effects of it. But actually, we find it at no point in this at all. God had turned his face away, in the sense of he'd actually he hadn't actually forsaken him at all. So in that sense, you know, maybe those, those that, that that line in that hymn could misconstrue things a bit but yeah. yeah as i say it's still still a beautiful hymn so
0: i mean the very fact that you have a pretty lengthy psalm which starts with those words gives us a huge amount of context to work on and to, to understand yeah. what was in jesus's mind when he said those things because definitely you know yeah. it's lifted straight from yeah. that first verse
1: Even more we need to do before we go back sorry it's a psalm 22 right so, so just before again just before <laughs> i promise we'll get that
0: i want to get to psalm 22 dan psalm 22 <laughs> come on okay i'll be quick get
1: me there so so jesus has just experienced the following things okay let's just Let's just put these in our heads. The disciples have fled. They've left him, okay? So they've forsaken him. That That's pretty clear. He's just seen and heard Peter, who had sort of followed in, but he's denied Jesus, denied that he, known, that he knew Jesus. So Jesus has just experienced that. So Peter's forsaken him. Um, the crowd who, when Jesus arrived into Jerusalem earlier that week, they were calling for him to be the king, installed as king there and then. The crowd have basically chanted for him to be crucified. So they've forsaken him, okay? Pilate, okay, the governor, Pilate, who didn't want Jesus to be crucified has just washed his hands publicly in front as a, in front of all the people and the priests as a symbol to basically say uh, look I'm innocent of this man's blood you know I have nothing to do with me I'll just if you want to crucify him you're his blood on you effectively but so Pilate's forsaken him as well you know he's the one that could have stopped this but he's just washed his hands of it and and gone off the chief priests and the scribes well they they were never rallying around him ever and they've they were mocking him the soldiers are mocking him, the people who passed by, um, you know, it takes it takes the time to say, verse 39, those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. And um, Verse th- 43, the chief priests and elders say, he trusts in God, let God deliver him now if he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. So, you know, all these people have forsaken him. And then the robbers, verse 44, the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. So he literally is forsaken by by everyone... Around him,
0: that's very reminiscent of the of the actions of the of the leaders in the Good Samaritan as well, isn't it? That that that's a that's a theme that comes out, yeah, Forsaking and ignoring, yeah, and just yeah, walking past yeah. and wagging their heads, not getting involved.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so then think think about this. Jesus cries out, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken him?" But we get given the the Aramaic, or you know, that Jesus says, "Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani." However it's pronounced, I've no <laughs> idea. Um, but but basically, you get this curious incident, verse forty seven, that's some of the people there said, "Oh, he's calling for Elijah. You know, perhaps Elijah is going to save him." Verse 49. Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Wait, see what's going to happen, and uh, nothing. Elijah doesn't save him. And I think that's the point of that. The point of this is that, yeah, nothing. Everyone has forsaken him. Nothing is happening. Nothing is saving him, and therefore he is utterly feeling forsaken and feeling abandonment. I think. I think that's the the um, the core here the core meaning here that jesus is absolutely experiencing this and and we talked last time didn't we about him being a human being a man uh, just like us and he's the messiah he's the son of god but he's a person and he's feeling tragic abandonment and the the fact that he is human he he is a son of man really accentuates that um i think
0: yeah and i suppose I suppose one one other abandonment you could add to the list is Judas as well, you know, prior to um, oh, yeah. the fact, you know, you've got Judas, you know, and you have a link there again with, the, the, you know, the, the Psalms about my own familiar friend and you've got you know yeah. a, a familiar friend which is somebody who they resorted together they spoke together in mount of olives many times and you know, turned away from him abandoned him forsook him
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah so so okay let's think about the psalms let's think about psalm 22 now yes please dan because can we go to as psalm you, 22 now If you pointed out <laughs> a few times this is pretty much an echo of Psalm 22. So Psalm 22 verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Okay, so it's Jesus here quoting, or I think probably more likely sort of expressing the emotions of this psalm and, uh, you know, whether or not it's actually consciously, but he's, he's truly feeling this. He's feeling the you know being forsaken, but but this then is a key, isn't it, for to help us understand what's going on in the in the narrative of the crucifixion because. It's not only that quote that links, is it? There's all these other little little quotes. So let's just sort of zip through some of this. So verse um, verse seven, all who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him for he delights in him. That's basically exactly what Matthew is recording. So, so Matthew's deliberately writing this gospel narrative, knowing about Psalm 22 and knowing what Jesus says and is making sure that the reader is hearing Psalm 22 in the background. Mm. And because these things happened, and he, he can see that this is all there beforehand in Psalm 22. And verse um, verse 11, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. That's why what, what happened. None to help. They all forsook him. They all they all went away. Um, and the, so the challenge is, God, are you far from me? Be not far from me. Be near to me. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you far off? That's the the cry. And then, uh, so that's challenging. The very, the core statement in chapter one, that Jesus is the sign, Emmanuel, that God is with his people. Well, is he? Is he? You know, this is a serious challenge to that because of what's happening. He's the Messiah, and yet he's being killed.
0: Well, also the—I mean—the disciples felt that themselves, didn't they? They felt it immediately before, that, and Jesus said to them, "You—you you will be offended in me, and this is going to happen." And remember, there was the yeah. disciples walking on the road away from Jerusalem, and they didn't know what was yeah, yeah. going on. So they—they they felt, yeah, they—they they felt they didn't understand what was gone on, and ha- sure. has this plan failed? You know.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You're straying into Luke there, Luke's gospel, but That'd but mean. that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right because it, it kind of the the gospels converge a, l- a little bit. Certainly Matthew, Mark, and Luke converge at the crucifixion, and it, you know all the, the the narratives and the presentation up to that point sort of then come to the, the fore. And this is you know this is the thing that happened to this man Jesus who we've been talking about, and we didn't understand it at the time, but we realise now that this is. This was here in Psalm twenty-two, that, and and it shook us because we thought he was the Messiah who would be king in this way. But actually, this is what happened. That that's what's happening. At, you know, that's to explain what's going on in the death. That de- Jesus is is acting out and actually putting. Um, he, he's he's um, he's acting where his mouth was. You know, he's he's said all these things about the Sermon on the Mount, about um, you know loving neighbours yourself and get, turning the other cheek and all that sort of thing. And he's now doing it in the absolute almost ultimate sense he couldn't do anything else more so he, um, to act, to act out those
0: principles so he was the opposite of being a hypocrite he was actually um performing yep. the things that the instructions that he'd been giving others he was sure. he was showing that in his own yeah. life yeah
1: yeah so and that, and that therefore is is how the kingdom should be lived it's self-giving and you know this becomes his enthronement this becomes you know they're all they're mocking him as king of the jews and yet he is the king of the jews and he's demonstrating it that he's the messiah by by acting in this way because ultimately people are going to realize this and then they're going to be moved so much by feelings of guilt of their own behavior feelings and, and feelings of amazement that jesus could act out of such love and self-giving and that will move them to try and follow him and become people of the kingdom as well that's you know that's what's happening which is which is remarkable it's, it's wonderful so there's more in psalm 22 so verse 6 dogs encompass me a company of evildoers encircles me they have pierced my hands and feet so that's the how the esv renders it here that i know that that they've pierced my hands and feet so that sounds absolutely crucifixion language doesn't it yeah and if that's what the text says that's explicit connection there are some variants there if the original is um something a bit different so that might not be a specific connection but then the very next um a couple of verses verse 17 i can count all my bones they stare and gloat over me they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots so matthew quotes that in in chapter 27 I mean,
0: I mean that's hugely specific isn't it as well <laughs> A really specific um yeah. uh, quote there and also Matthew you get um the occurrence of uh, that it might be fulfilled so Matthew is leading you to these passages and say and linking it isn't he yeah. with with the fact that yeah. you know Jesus is the person who's been spoken about in the prophets and yeah. here in the Psalms so it's it's really yeah. you know he, he doesn't doesn't mince his words he gets to the direct linkage between these passages in matthew and and the old testament
1: yeah that's absolutely right yeah okay so so that's you know psalm 22 that's the desperate situation it's in and it comes up again in verse 19 do not be far off oh you my help come quickly to my aid so he's in a the psalmist is in a pretty bad state Mm. it points forward to jesus who's in a very bad state and that's what matthew's trying to draw your attention to
0: yeah and and i suppose if Jesus has got this passage in his mind a bit like the temptations when when he was being tempted he countered that with linking back to scripture and here he is in a dire straits as well and you know he obviously feels these emotions but he's also you know thinking about this psalm as well all the things that have happened he can't be far from his mind really because it's so obvious that it's Mm. looking towards Jesus and the comfort you start it starts to come in towards the end of this psalm doesn't it so it doesn't end with all of these terrible things it actually starts to get a lot better towards the end of the psalm and a lot more positive
1: yeah absolutely and then so this then becomes the, the key for asking you know answering the question has God forsaken Jesus you know, is that really what was going on in the cross? And clearly it isn't. God hasn't actually forsaken this person. Because verse 22 I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Verse 24 He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. So, you know, that's pretty clear. So God actually hasn't hidden his face. Verse 27 says This is the result. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. So we're thinking about is Jesus the king? Is he the Messiah? Is he the the son of God? The son of David? And it looks like he isn't because he's being killed. But actually the psalm says yes he is because uh, this is going to end up with people bowing down and worshipping and recognising the kingship of God, um, yeah. you know, the sovereignty of God, the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, people will recognise that, um, and they'll realise that God hadn't hidden His His face. So that's that's how the psalm ends. It, it ends with the Messiah is established as King, despite all the terrible things that He's gone through, because that is part of how He how He gets there. Rather than standing on the the mountain when He's tempted to take it all as Himself, you yeah. know, He's He's had to go through all this.
0: The, um, the quote is a question, isn't it, you know? have you forsaken me question mark um, and so the answer to that is towards the end of this chapter all these bad things have happened and yet you've not forsaken me um, and that's, that's the kind of answer comes towards the end there And yeah. after, I, I I suppose that's leading us isn't it towards what would then come in Matthew which is then an amazing turnabout he's talking about the resurrection you know and you don't have yeah. much there's not much content on the resurrection here at the end of Matthew but it goes straight from the death um, his, his burial and then straight into the resurrection just uh, you know, almost handful of verses, really, in, in chapter 28.
1: Yeah, so compared to Luke, like like you said, referred yeah. to, it has all that that story about them walking down the road yeah. and meeting Jesus and not realising who it was. There isn't an awful lot, but what Matthew does record, so verse 5, some angel, an angel speaks to the women who came to the tomb. They say, "'Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus.'" Sorry, this is Matthew 28, yeah. verse 5. "'I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. "'Come, see the place where he lay.'" and they 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 say go into galilee and verse 9 behold jesus met them and said greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him and that's what psalm 22 said didn't it It said about um people are going to worship because they'll sort of realize that god hadn't forsaken you know god was with his people and and it even comes up verse 16 so this is right at the end now this this gospel this is like the summary yeah everything is culminating to this verse 16 now the eleven disciples went to galilee to the mountain to which jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and he talks about going and making disciples so there again they worshiped him and is the reference to the authority that has been given to him as a consequence of of you know everything that that he is doing and has gone through, and you know ultimately he was showing he was showing that authority beforehand, hasn't he? But but through his death and resurrection, all authority is given me. He's 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 achieved it, and he is now you know both Lord and Christ. To to quote um, Acts, um, he he's confirmed that God has confirmed it.
0: It's interesting that the emphasis that you've well the emphasis that Matthew has here, but also you've highlighted around this worshiping. We do we do see it elsewhere. We see see it when he he was in the ship. Uh, for that second time I think when they do proclaim him as being the son of God and they worship him but here here specifically it's emphasised a number of times and you know you might think there's connotations there that come from this worshipping what, what, what does that imply about Jesus the fact that these people are t- taking hold of his feet and worshipping him
1: well we, you get it earlier on in the, the, um, the gospel as well in chapter 2 when the wise men come mm-hmm. um, so we, we talked about them a couple of times before haven't we and they want to worship jesus as well so matthew 2 verse 2 they say where is he has been born king of the jews we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him there we go just checking to make sure he did say that so they they want to come and worship him because he's king of the jews so i think that's really helpful because that shows this is this isn't worship as in worship to a deity to a god this is honoring and showing obeisance and bowing down to someone who's superior i.e the king, the king of the Jews, and actually they realise that the king of the Jews is king of the world because he's God's or the one true God's anointed king who is king of all, the, who's God of all the world. So, so therefore his king is going to be king of all the world. That that's the point in Matthew, isn't it? That the king of the Jews is is the king for the whole world. So, so I think that sets the. The, uh, the stage for what worship really means. Psalm twenty-two talked about worship of God and recognizing the kingship of the rule of God, um, and that's then uh, fulfilled by the people who are worshiping Jesus. So the question, like you, like you say, um, and people do draw conclusions from that and and say therefore, oh, absolutely, therefore Jesus must be God because it says in Psalm twenty-two um, they will worship God and then they worship or they bow down to to Jesus, but they're bowing down to him um, and giving glory. To God, um, there's a really excellent verse. So, we, so we're going to dive out of Matthew again um, and just look at Philippians chapter two because this this basically summarises what we've said, um, summarises everything in such a brilliant way. And again, it's useful, isn't it, to um, concentrate in one book, so concentrate in Matthew, and then try and sort of dive out to other parts of Scripture just to just to verify what we're looking at. So Philippians two. And verse 8, talking about Jesus, it says, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There's a, a thing about Jesus his death he humbled himself even to that point of death which is what we've seen he felt forsaken he experienced all those things and therefore god's exalted him he's given him a name like he gave him authority so it's not a name that was intrinsic to him you know he's given him exalted status and then every person in heaven on earth and under the earth should bow to him effectively should worship him in the sense of bowing to to a superior to the king and but all of that is to the glory of god so you can see how by worshiping or by bowing down to and serving Jesus as our Lord and as our master and as our king, by doing that it is worshipping God, you know, because he's God's agent, he's God's representative, he's God's king, an anointed anointed one. So I think that that passage there really helps to clarify that. And just show that we haven't got some sort of strange anomaly going on in Matthew. Everything is coming together and presenting the same story. Um, we've seen all, consistently all the way forward, haven't we? About this is the Messiah, the King, the the Son of God, the Anointed. Um, and so there isn't some strange blip at the end. This is this is absolutely showing this, and Jesus is the one who has um, who who has that authority. And the disciples realise it and, and bow down and and worship.
0: It's a nice bookend to Matthew, where you've got all all authority in heaven and earth being given to me in verse 18 and, and that's kind of how we started that establishment of authority didn't we early in Matthew you've got this the, he, he was given this authority but it wasn't necessarily recognised by everybody and people were asking you know how has he got this authority where has it come from and, and what we're seeing at the end of Matthew is actually yes people are going to recognise the fact that He is being given this authority and therefore he should be worshipped. And so it's almost like a writing of the situation and people accepting him and people uh, worshipping him.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So that's kind of Matthew completed in a sense. Check, tick that off. But just to sort of think about it all in one holistic way, if we can sort of summarise it into a paragraph or, or, or short sentence, few sentences, it we, we've seen, you know, the point of him going through that feeling of forsaking, being forsaken, or or being abandoned is. It's all tied up with his the way the kingdom comes, isn't it? Like him denying temptation to sort of take it on his own terms. Instead, it was giving his life. Um, It was living out those things of the Sermon on the Mount and all the other teaching that he gave that he he actually lived by his words and uh, was self-giving and felt... The consequences of that, the dreadful suffering, the dreadful sort of agony and, and feelings of abandonment. Um, and that's the total opposite of the people who were trying to bring the kingdom to themselves in their own way through violence or through, um, through extreme piety and purity at the expense of other people in the society and, and things like that. You know, it's very, very different. Um, but this is the kingdom that he was proclaiming. It's the kingdom that he, you know, is bringing. Um, and it's something ultimately, when we thought about the kingdom, it's something ultimately... That's gonna gonna sort of come to final fulfilment in, in the future, isn't it? But but people who follow him now ought to be part of that kingdom in the sense that they, they ought to live by that teaching right now. So looking at what Jesus did on the cross, looking what he went through, is like that model, that's template, that and the motivation to, to give our lives and and to, to follow him in, in, as best we can in, in, in different ways in our lives.
0: Thanks, Dan, for, for taking us through these different sessions on Matthew. And I, I know it's been very useful for, for me to spend this time with you, not only highlighting Uh, Some of these themes and links that we see through Matthew and trying to emphasize this, uh, the role of Jesus, but also the fact that it's really practical as well. There's so much practical advice. We can read this and think about the amazing work of Jesus, but also we can look at this and go, yeah, I can lift my eyes to things heavenly. I can approach temptations in my life in the way that Jesus did, trying to be not self-centered but God-centered. If I can look to the uh, Sermon on the Mount and I can take that little package of of, uh, practical Um, ways of living your life so thank you very much for for the time that you put together Dan in pulling all of these uh, sessions together
1: yeah thanks
0: you know I'm sure maybe at some point we'll have a a follow-up session or two good
1: yeah no I'm sure we'll revisit Matthew at some time
0: final things please come and visit our website biblefeed.org and also join the conversation on uh, Facebook and Instagram which is bible feed online i believe that's the tag give us feedback give us a review if you've got any thoughts or questions on on the content that we've put forward in this podcast or any of our other podcasts on this series please let us know we would really look forward to to having a dialogue with you on the amazing content of the gospel of matthew so thank you and goodbye you've been listening to the bible feed podcast thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think, hear your questions or subjects you'd like to discuss. So get in touch with us uh, through our Facebook page or send us a message on our website at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.